This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Hello again, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Executive Platforms Blueprint podcast series. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm head of content and research. My guest today is Amrit Chowdhury. Uh, he's with Smart Labs. We're going to have a conversation about some of the trends that are happening in the industry. Uh, I'm really excited for this conversation. Uh, Amrit, thank you so much for joining me today. Jeff, thank you so much for having me. Just before we get too far into things, I would love a, a quick introduction to who you are and, and what Smart Labs is, what your organization is all about. Sure. I'm Amrit Chowdhury. I'm the CEO of Smart Labs. Um, we're an organization that's been around for about eight years now. Um, we work uh, in a very unique part of the industry. We work on the infrastructure, engineering, operations, and resourcing at large for the entire value chain of the industry. Um, it's an entirely new approach to how you create the resourcing for how science actually happens, both in a commercial setting and an academic setting. Um, what we've really built, what we believe, is a platform that has the most advanced labs bringing modernization, uh, modularization, and reconfigurability into the full gamut of laboratories. And then we take that, what we believe are the most advanced labs in the world, technology embedded, digitally operated, and we make it available in a fractional access model, kind of like getting into a managed data center or co-working offices, or even how you think about Uber is fractionalized transport. Our goal is to create the fractionalized access to all the resources you need to build drugs. You've been having a lot of conversation with biopharmaceutical executives over the last couple of days. What are some of the trends and issues they're coming to you with? It's really interesting. You know, this industry is, and we've heard in, in some of the uh, amazing lectures that were given at this, this conference that we're attending right now um, for the Biomanufacturing World Summit. Um, you know, this industry is really having challenges with how it adapts to the future of science and the change that's coming from the burgeoning new modalities that are truly transformative, right? We're going from an industry that's used to, historically, 100 years of small molecule chemistry, the last 30 years of biologics in proteins and antibodies, and now, all of a sudden, so many new modalities that require a combination of new research infrastructure, new development infrastructure, new ways to actually produce these uh, products, to do the scale up, the process development, the actual clinical material production. And then not only is it a challenge to figure out how to scale up and or out these new therapeutic models, mRNA, cell and gene therapies, both autologous and allogeneic, uh, as well as things like viral vectors, precision medicine, all with different and disparate challenges in that space. Some of which is bringing the patient into the manufacturing process and into the development process where it's uh, customized to the patient. Um, we've never had to figure out how to make these things before. We've never had to figure out how to actually sell these things or how we're gonna distribute these things. Some of the challenges we're hearing are, you know, concerns around autologous therapies and how that's not a scale up manufacturing model the way that you make, you know, a million pills of aspirin, but a scale out manufacturing model where there might be regional centers of manufacturing or localized centers of manufacturing possibly even manufacturing attached to a hospital. So this industry doesn't really know what the world's going to look like in 30 years. And it knows that the technology there is remarkably powerful. It's betting tens of billions of dollars into these new technologies because we believe they're curative for patients. But we don't really know how to get it to the patient yet. 
The thing that I take away from what you just said is that the industry is in the process of inventing its next generation of what it's going to do and how it's going to do it and how it gets there. And I remember when you were talking about what your organization actually does, it sounds very much like you help them figure that out. And I would be curious if you could walk us through what that looks like in real terms. Absolutely. Um, you know, when we started the company, we were already seeing the beginning of this process of the diversity and diversification of science happening, going from the research happening in two modalities to multiple. And the reason we built the platform was because we predicted, truly, I was running a company, my co-founder was running a company, we had, we had jobs in, in, in other parts of this industry, and we said, wow, no one is addressing how that new technology has a platform to actually develop, discover, uh, iterate, ideate, create the preclinical packages, create the packages of process development, and then manufacture that. And it wasn't prevalent or available anywhere. It wasn't available in the large pharma companies. It wasn't available in the academic settings. It wasn't available in the startup environments. And it turns out it takes years to develop that type of infrastructure and resourcing strategy if you know what you're doing. And so, what we have done over the last eight years is develop a platform that allows pretty much any project at any stage, in any modality, in any therapeutic target, um, come in and specify what they need in terms of that resourcing strategy. What type of research labs do they need? What type of operating oversight do they need? What type of additional support? IACUG veterinarian uh, manufacturing quality. Um, and we're able to actually, as a larger organization and a specialist organization, create a bespoke program for them to do what they need to immediately, in two to four weeks, spun up. Uh, and so it's a transformative way of accessing resources that normally takes three or four years, pretty much on demand for the sake of this industry. And what that has led to is we've been privileged to work with clients both in the startup and growth sector and the large uh, enterprise sector that are working on the absolute forefront of those modalities. I think five out of the top eight gene editing companies based on CRISPR have either started, launched, IPO'd, or a clinical trial of our platform. Um, it's profound. And by being there from the discovery stage of the initial concept of the technology and ideating how the platform works through the development of assets, through the preclinical work and validation, through the actual process development, and now finishing it off by creating the resources for phase one, phase two, and phase three uh, production of CGMP material. What we're really trying to do is build a place where you can, in the most effective way possible, create and discover and work on new things without spending hundreds of millions of dollars or without having to wait years for those resources to come to you. And it's been really profound. The thing that surprised me most in, in all of that answer was that you said you can get up to speed in, in two to four weeks. I have this conversation with yeah. a lot of people and everybody is always very cagey about what a startup looks like, but nobody has ever said two to four weeks. And I would love for you to expand upon that a little bit because I, I bet you a lot of people who've been listening <laughs> to this said, did, did I hear that right? Yeah, so we build in major geographies like Boston or the Bay Area and San Francisco, um, large-scaled, effectively advanced institutes. We call them managed research centers. And we build them using our infrastructure technology as a complete blank slate. And the way that we 
have built components and frameworks for the actual infrastructure this industry has never seen before. It lets us build labs like Legos. So when customers come in uh, with a project for 10 people or a project for 300 people, as long as we have the facility capacity available, we can make any room of any size of any function with completely segregate utilities, air, power, access controls, lights, doorways, you know, the, the way that you go through the cascading effect of both workflow and environmental protection in four weeks. Um, and we do that everywhere. Uh, we've been doing that for about seven years. Um, and so this is allowing us to actually do this fractional access model. It's difficult. You have to go build a massive building and you have to go and you don't know the kind of customer and the stage of research or the process that they want to use. Is it a chemistry process for synthesis? Is it a chemistry process for analytics? Is it a cell culture process? Is it a pilot scale manufacturing process in one of those modalities? It'd be impossible for us to have thousands of different types of labs and inventory waiting for when somebody needs that stage and that that type of project. So we just reinvented what a lab was. Uh, and we were able to build an entire infrastructure, digital controls, and, uh, and physical framework uh, around what we believe is the modernization of a laboratory. I mean, that sounds amazing. And one of the things that I do kind of want to ask whenever I hear something that, you know, sounds too good to be true, is there a catch here? Like, uh, for, the, for the sake of the listening audience who said, did I hear it right? There must be something that I'm not understanding. What are we missing here? So it's, you know, the time it takes to build that infrastructure initially is the same, right? So if a large pharma company goes and builds a full building or goes into a lease and builds out a building, um, that planning stage of building that full infrastructure uh, is the same. The difference is, is that normally this industry needs to make decisions around what it's building right at the beginning. So I need to know the kinds of experiments, the types of labs, the capacities in those labs, what types of surrounding operations and resources you need to be able to run those programs at the quality and the stage and the capacity. And then I need to define all of that to then go and design, engineer, build, permit, commission, and then build an operating regulatory program around just to be able to move the scientists and the equipment and start doing research. And that's usually a three or four year process at scale. What we're able to do is erase all of the beginning portion of that in terms of decision making. So because we have a modular approach that is just never been applied in this industry the way that we have, really taking a lab and bringing it down the same way you think of a computer motherboard, uh, interchangeable parts in an organized systems framework, and the ability to then modularly add or subtract functions as you need them. So that hardware, the physical hardware of a lab, how it's controlled, how it's run, what it actually is comprised of, the walls, the lights, the locks, all of that is componentized. Much of it's proprietary to us, and we've had to invent it. And that approach allows us to basically say, great, building's built, the entire floor is blank. And from when you tell me what you need on that floor, we can go and manufacture all the walls and systems in an offsite automated CNC robotics based environment in two weeks, flat pack, ship it, and assemble it like IKEA furniture inside of a space for fully validated enterprise quality labs that are at this point in time, 
we believe the most advanced labs in the world. Technology embedded with automation and monitoring and tools that you just don't see in universities or pharma companies or any of the existing labs built in the traditional models. Now, you mentioned the organization has been around seven, eight years. Have you been doing this all that time? Is this relatively new? Uh, how long have you been working on this system? The, the answer is no. Um, we've been working on how do you create fractional access to all of those resources since January 2015 when we were funded. We, uh, my partner and I have been working on this since the middle of 2014 when we came up with the idea of, of creating this on-demand resource. Um, we didn't realize that we were going to have this inventory of lab challenge, right? So we built out and partnered with a pharma company in Boston and partnered with a major CRO and we launched our business. And it turns out from our business model, we kept having a market to capacity and inventory mismatch. So at any given time, the project that was in the market that would be perfect for our platform needed a different type of resource or infrastructure than what I had left in inventory. Or even if you had the same type of infrastructure, if you came to me and said, hey, I need 30 fume hoods for a 100% team, and you know, that's my requirement set, I might have five fume hoods, I might have 20 fume hoods, but I'm not gonna have what you need specifically. And if that's actually what you need, it becomes really, really challenging. Either you just shoehorn into our program, or you do part of it here and part of it somewhere else. And if you don't have a holistic solution, it's really hard committing to a new business model of how you actually work. So we figured that out in 2016. And when we learned, like, you know, really realized the inventory mismatch challenge of this industry, um, we, we said, this can't just be happening to us. And what we learned after about three or four months of research was that this challenge of how bespoke and custom built every single lab, every single manufacturing facility, every animal research program is, is built around. Um, we realize that the complexity for an organization gets worse as they get better, bigger, not uh, better. Um, so the economy of scale that usually enterprise organizations have don't apply here. It's actually the opposite. With more programs being worked on at more stages, with more modalities, you're juggling an inventory of 5,000, 6,000 different labs globally that may not be in the right region, may not have the right capacities, that at that scale of organization, like a major global pharma, it takes you four to six years forward-facing planning to be able to actually mobilize new resourcing. Because you're not doing it in 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 square foot chunks, you're doing it in 500,000, 200,000, 300,000 square foot chunks. So you have to be able to understand and then aggregate those requirements into a meaningful deployment. And, and that just takes a very long time to do. And so we thought that this business model of fractional access was dead. Um, and what we realized was that the real value of our business should be focused on how do you fix this infrastructure, this fundamentals of infrastructure challenge that is everywhere. Um, and that's what we worked on. So in about a year, we came up with our first version of this modular approach and a system framework approach. We tore out a, you know, a, you know, about a quarter of our existing facility. We rebuilt it rapidly using this approach. And all of a sudden, we were able to accommodate anything in that R&D space. So not vivariums yet, not manufacturing yet, 
but every type of R&D lab where the walls are shifting, the power is changing, the air is changing, you're attaching fume hoods, you're doing large, uh, you know, plugged in infrastructure based equipment, for example, a large, you know, lyophilizer, you're changing heat loads. Um, all of a sudden we said, wow, we're literally controlling this computationally. We're just reprogramming space with software, not having to rebuild space like the industry normally does. So in 2018, uh, halfway through the year, we launched an entire building of it in Kendall Square. Um, and that's where it started. And then using that building and using this new type of infrastructure, we were able to have a remarkably successful fractional access business. I mean, it's it's an incredible story. I would love if there's a way we could do it with a specific example. You don't have to mention a client by name, but can you walk us through what this actually looks like in uh, real world terms? Sure. Uh, so let me maybe give you the scope and scale of what we've been working on. We today have about a half million square feet of space, and uh, that's more recent. Uh, we started off with a, a custom building of about 55,000 square feet in that 2018 timeline. And since that 2018 timeline, from 2018 to 2021 through the year, um, you know, we weren't even half a percentage of the commercial infrastructure in the direct Boston area, the greater Boston area. There's about 30 to 40 million square feet. We probably at that point in time had aggregated a uh, quarter million square feet uh, in that space. But 17% of all venture funding and companies went through our program in Boston since 2015, uh, sorry, since 2018. Um, and so we have been the backbone of some of the most promising companies out of Boston in gene editing, cell therapy, in viral vectors, in mRNA, um, basically in, every, in personalized medicine and new antigens, um, basically every cutting edge modality uh, we've accommodated. And our, you know, if you take a look at the number of programs, we've had thousands of programs from hundreds of companies and thousands of researchers at this point in time validate through this platform. And so it's been, a, it's been a really remarkable opportunity and privilege to be able to support that. When I think of the future of this industry, I think someday someone's going to write a history book. And I wonder what you're describing. Are you going to be the Edison labs of your, of your day, the GE labs of your day? When people talk about uh, gene uh, and cell therapies coming to market, if, if that much of it is going through what you're doing, there's going to be a whole chapter about what you guys have put together here. It's actually really interesting. You know, I, I worked on therapeutic development and drug development for the first part of my career. I ran a company doing that. Um, and so that was, that's where I actually got exposed to the industry and got to work on some phenomenal programs over the years. Um, what's really unique about what we're doing um, is how it is analogous to other high-tech industries and what analogous programs and in infrastructure have brought about. So if you think about 30 years ago, we didn't have cloud computing. We didn't have managed data centers. In fact, every tech company had to build a server farm, build a data center in order to serve its, to, to build, develop its products, uh, products and to serve those products to clients. And the advent of the ability to then create that infrastructure, but not recreate it project by project, group by group, aggregate it, has transformed the tech world. Right? There are companies today that couldn't have existed without that um, because it reduces the barrier to entry from an infrastructure perspective by 90%. And it increases the speed and fungibility. Right, You can scale up, you can scale down. You don't have to be making static commitments 
and liabilities and having to plan what were gonna be your 10-year resources up front. Your resources change as your science changes or your project changes or your funding changes. And so what we're really talking about doing isn't platform modality, like we're not talking about the impact that gene editing is going to have or cell therapy is going to have or viral vectors are going to have or how mRNA is gonna change the vaccine landscape. Those by themselves are gonna be world changing, right? And the organizations that are working on it today will be in the history books. But we believe that in order for that to happen, this industry needs to shift its mentality around how it addresses the multi-hundred billion dollar infrastructure that it utilizes to get those drugs to patients. And without a shift like us, I actually don't think you can get to that end stage where these types of therapies are successful. And so our goal isn't to work on a specific product or a specific project or to commercialize a drug. Our goal is to change the way this industry works at large as a full transformative change. I think we've talked about the challenges the industry is facing, the, the future that they're trying to grapple with. We've, we've certainly talked about how you're helping, but I'm curious what the next steps look like. How do we actually move forward from here? And uh, I really think I'm, I'm very interested to hear what you would have to say to that. You know, I think that a lot of these modalities that are so promising, um, you know, some of them already had initial commercialization like CAR-T, um, but realistically, many of them in the majority of this industry is in that developmental phase. So preclinical, moving into the clinic, um, validating your targets and validating your leads that you're gonna go and do an IND submission with. Um, and then figuring out, even if you're doing a clinical trial, right now in some of these modalities are being held in very specific um, geographies because you're actually manufacturing in that geography next to it um, in many cases or at that hospital. And so there's a bottleneck that is occurring right now around how do we first figure out how to manufacture these things? And then how expensive it's going to be to actually, and the time it's gonna to take to build those facilities and run those facilities project by project for you know phase one programs. You know, the likelihood of a phase one and phase two actually succeeding is very low through that process. And yet in order to go and address that portion of the industry, companies have to go and spend 180, 150, 200 million dollars in the first two or three years to build a custom manufacturing facility to work on one or two programs over that period of time and to have that resource. And what we're learning is that today that manufacturing is so novel or it's so proprietary that that process is your IP that it's almost not outsourceable. Many of the CDMOs can't actually do all of the steps and it'll take you years to do that tech transfer and development externally. And then you're worried through that time of, are you gonna get the right attention? Are you going to have the right focus? Are you going to be able to retain that process IP that is a large portion of these platform companies' development, right? It's not an established modality. Some of the actual valuation of this company is around its ability to manipulate and understand that space. So what we're working on is how do you get rid of that design, access, and cost issue and time issue around manufacturing of these novel modalities. And what we've actually invented using the same framework and system we've uh, developed previously is I think the largest platform for multi-modality, multi-product manufacturing. We're creating environments that we welcome customers to come in, sit down and talk about what their ideal process workflow is for their manufacturing. We develop 
all of the wraparound compliance operations, the actual, you know, the, the standardized things. How does materials come into the building and get, you know, put into custody and then tracked throughout the building and its life cycle? How do we think about finished product environments and the monitoring of those spaces and the kinds of temperature control or power or backup uh, that you need to have in that space? How do you train people through all the protocols of CGMP and being able to work in a validated environment? Everything but that process that requires bespoke equipment and a bespoke process, we're developing a place that you can plug that in and run your first year of manufacturing for orders of magnitude less. We're talking five to $10 million to produce for a year. Uh, and that's, I think, profound. I think it lowers the barrier to being able to bring more of these drugs into clinical trials because you're now, you can bet on three or four projects. You don't have to bet on one project. It reduces the time. You're able to access these things in months, not years, for these kinds of capacities. And it allows you to focus on what's actually important, your process IP and your process, and then what type of study design you're doing and how you're going to work with your clinical trial center and what your next program is that's you know, coming up and following behind. But the ability of reducing that capital from a multi-hundred million dollar capital uh, pledge to a 10, 20 million dollar capital investment while retaining all of your process IP, I think is really what's gonna unlock a lot of the uh, challenges that the industry is currently facing. I really feel like I could talk to you all day about this. I think it's <laughs> fascinating. I think I'm actually sitting down and talking to someone who is helping design the future of the industry. For people who want to learn more, for people who are interested in getting involved, uh, even just getting a better sense of what this is all about, what is the best way to get in touch? Honestly, just send an email to info at smartlabs.com uh, or visit our website at www.smartlabs.com. Um, you'll have different components of everything I'm talking about over there, but really just come and talk to us. Uh, we're very accessible. Well, I really do encourage anyone who has listened to this episode, if you've got some questions, I mean, <laughs> this has been a real pleasure having this conversation and I encourage you to have one of your own. Uh, Amrit, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, this is so much fun. Thank you so much, Jeff. You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint podcast series. I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon.